I think the pendulum is always on these extremes and it's either like you just hear people shitting on the profession and I, I get people writing to me, Tony, that haven't even gotten into PT school yet and they're worried about being burned out. I brought Tony on to show you that these other models do in fact exist. The one thing that reigns true with these folks is just follow your passion and that will guide you to, to what you're looking for, but you don't have to sell out. There's options. Uh, this is sometimes reamed as a, as a tough field to work in and a tough career and it's, it's, it can be exhausting and you can find that you're getting, uh, or your friends are, you know, are getting frustrated, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's what it comes down to. Because if you're not being authentic, then you're not, uh, you're not really gonna help as many people as you, as you could. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hey guys, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Doing this one a little bit different this time. I'm actually down in not so sunny Cancun. It's currently raining, so that's why we're filming this or recording this. But next to me, I have current MVP, a rock tape MVP. He's also the founder and president of Kime Human Performance Institute. And he's hands down one of the best brains at rock tape and just within the physical therapy profession so without further ado welcome to the show my good friend dr tony mikla thanks for coming on tony hey thanks shante thanks for that intro that's pretty bold (laughs) nothing but facts yeah appreciate it this is going to be the most that you guys hear tony speak so if you don't know him then you're like oh yeah he's on the podcast but for those of you that do know him buckle up we're going to get like 45 minutes straight of tony talking so i'm going to flip it over to you tony can you tell the people how you got into, into – tell people a little about yourself, how you got into uh, PT. Yeah, I might lose my voice here talking so much. Yeah. It's going to be a stretch for sure. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, uh, it's great to be here and, and talking with Shante. I appreciate it. So my story a little bit on PT, um, like so many of us in the field, of course, you got hurt. You know, you have an injury, and you, my driver was uh, really frustration. So getting hurt at the high school level in basketball is always my sport, been my passion forever. And just not being able to compete right away. So senior year, you know, missing some games. And I was seeing an athletic trainer. My friend actually got hurt at the same time, went to PT as well. So I actually just tagged along with him, which is kind of a fun deal. And I was like, hey, this job's kind of fun. And then, but then I got frustrated in the fact that, like, man, no one was giving me very good answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like I think we all say, you know, was, I wanted more. I wanted to get back faster. I wanted these things. And that's really what's driven me, I'd say, for the last 15 to uh, whatever, I guess it's been over 20 years now. And that's that amazing. Fact, yeah, too long. <laughs> so it's been, you know, this 20-year period now where it's been, this has been my drivers. How can we get clients are a better option and, and the very best option available? And that's, I'd say, really what's defined my, my career and my drive to, to improve myself. So, I want to have you elaborate on that, this drive to give patients, clients, customers better. You have a very unique model, which I think is perhaps largely in part because you want to be able to deliver a better a better service, better product. What does that look like? 
Yeah, I think, you know, if we looked, I've had a vision for a long time as a as a PT model from the fact that when I started as a clinician, started in typical outpatient uh, practice, which, of course, said they did sports, but, you know, didn't see any sports yeah. people. You know, it's <laughs> classic, right? So, you know, that kind of thing. I, I've always just hated that. Like, oh, I do sports medicine. It's like, well, you don't really do sports. You know, you, you kind of say you do sports, but you really aren't working with, with athletes or, and, and really haven't, you don't have a space to move in. So I was in that environment. Uh, you know, I, I think that in... Physical therapy, we have this scenario right now, and we've had it for a long time, where you can have a private practice, you can have a large chain of clinics, you can work in a hospital setting, and you could certainly have this concierge or kind of spa-like model. Maybe a cash pay model mm-hmm. is really popular right now uh, among some of the, the folks that have been frustrated. They've kind of gone to that model. So I, I've, I really feel like as an industry, uh, from you, when you, without getting too far into the the, how it's working from an insurance standpoint and that we're seeing the greatest consolidation um, in our business and in history as far as consolidating physical yeah. therapy clinics people are getting bought up things yeah. of that nature you're going to see more of this consolidation I feel like because it it makes sense to become profitable you know yeah. to be an individual sole proprietor out there and and battling the insurances and battling the time and the billing and all of those things really is not a profitable venture uh, as a small venue. So I think you're going to see hospitals continue to grow and, and take off as they like to. That's up to them. The other thing you're going to see is these chains and these these large groups grow and grow. So and then I think you'll have the spa uh, concierge model as a continued uh, continued successful model as well. My take on it is I feel like if we went the concierge uh, cash pay model, there's limitations, there's risk to that where, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, you want to take a vacation, then you've just lost yep. your income. For You're the not week, working. Right. You're not working. Right. If you want to, you know, retire at whatever it is, 50, 60, 70 years old, like you're done, you know, the income is stopped and there's a pretty good shot. You weren't charging enough money throughout your career to actually have a whole lot. Yeah have a whole lot left so then you get in this whole entity like oh, i'm a pt but i also am an investor and i'm doing all these other things which which is great and probably something we all should do anyway but i think it i think it does limit your potential totally so i'm a big fan of it you know the team is an important thing and working with other people is, and being collaborative is really important so if uh, i believe that developing a model that allowed us to have a better outcome for patients, give them a space they can move in so mm-hmm. they could do more movement-based work, more athletic-based work if necessary. And then also an opportunity for clinicians to, to grow and have a real career and not, get, and not get killed with volume, right? You know, we all, I, don't think that, I don't think that necessarily, you know, I would never say that PTs are bad, but I think that PTs don't necessarily produce the best product probably due to the fact that they don't have a system mm-hmm. to do it in, right? They're, they're so pressured confined. by, yeah, they're pressured by more volume, less re- rest reimbursement, no space to work in, you know, give all the exercise to the aid yep. and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I think we just can all agree that that model is not ideal. So essentially our model is how can we, how can we reduce our overhead? And we really love to work in a, in a gym environment and a gym would love to reduce their overhead. So it's a great marriage of putting PT in a gym. I think that's a, a, a theme that's more and more people are doing. So we certainly do that as well. We look for very specific things in those partnerships. And we've developed several of them in Northern California now. We have four facilities. Um, we're seeing over 2,500 visits per month. We have 11 providers. So it's continuing to grow. And, and the great thing about it is we're able to really reduce um, overhead costs. So it yeah. keeps the profitability up, allows the providers to make, make good revenue. It allows us to maintain time with the patient. So you get one-on-one time with your patient at an ample level. And you get a chance to go in and do the right thing, you know, and, and, and really dive deep. Yeah. So those were just core things to me as a, you know, it, the, that I wanted 
if you're going to be a great clinician, you have to have those two things. Can I make money doing this? And do I have time to actually do something do it. about it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I actually <laughs> Can do, I it, do, right? do it? Right? Yeah. Be like, oh, it's great. I learned all these new techniques. And oh, oh by the way, <laughs> I got 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I got 10 minutes with my patient. Oh, <laughs> super. Yeah. That sounds great. So that's, I think that's um, a huge issue with our with our practice, um, with our profession as a whole. So that's that's one thing that we're out to out to improve and out to change this. So it's, so it's great, and, and that's what we're looking to do. What did that look like when you first started this? Because so you guys listening, one of the reasons I brought one of the many reasons I brought Tony on, I've been trying to get him for a while, was that we're in a renaissance right now in terms of PT models and things are kind of changing and transitioning, and the cash based model is really huge, and it's kind of like the pendulum just swings completely the other the other way. It goes from being a mill to now like like Tony said, like you don't have you have this model that may not be so sustainable ultimately, where it's just you concierge doing the whole thing, and if you like break your leg, you make no may no, make no more money. So I brought Tony on to, to show you that these other models do in fact exist. But you have four now. You guys are doing amazing. Looking to open more. What did it look like when you first started? Because other people aren't doing this. So was it a struggle? Was it easy? People were like, don't even do that. Stupid. What was that like? That's a good question. Um, I've always envisioned it like this because I, I, I like I said, started off in uh, you know t- in a classic kind of orthopedic clinic. I got an opportunity as a as a young therapist about a year and a half out to start a sports facility, which we built a phenomenal facility. Uh, we spent seven years there, and and I was kind of the assistant at the mm-hmm. time. And we built a phenomenal practice and became the sports provider for the region and really put a good stamp on the region. Uh, from there, there was really no future for me, though, you know, because the same thing, single practice model, yeah. phenomenal practice, one owner, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of on the out. I don't have a lot of options, yeah. you know. So then it became like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm going to go corporate world and, and go big, you know, and, and you can either... And, I don't mean this the wrong way, but I always say this to, to people that, that ask me is to sell out to yeah. the hospital. I'll be like, you yeah. know what? My passion's not as important as my finances, mm-hmm. so I'm going to sell out and go get paid. So I, I didn't want to do that, so I voted not to do that. I looked at uh, some other corporate options. Um, I thought about going out on my own at that time, but didn't really feel like I had the network or the personally the confidence, to be honest with yeah. you, to, to go out and say, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to take on the world and do this. So, so at the time... Um, I did a lot of my training, my internship with Mark Verstegen, Sue Falsoni, Darcy Norman at Athletes That's Performance amazing. at Exos. That's how I started my career with them as an intern. So I called up Sue and like, hey, what are you guys doing? And um, I was hoping to just do the corporate. Uh, they had a thing with Google, which is like a few miles from my house. I'm like, that sounds oh, great. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds <laughs> awesome, right? Sue's like, well, Tony, I could use your help in uh, in Phoenix. And I'm like, uh, and this time I was living in Northern <laughs> California. I'm like, well, that's a long ways away. But... Not too bad. So, <laughs> at any rate, I was uh, honored to do that, and uh, I took the opportunity with Exos, which was great to uh, to really kind of go the more corporate route, but yet be able to do yeah. the passion of, of to take care of the athlete and such. And through my time, there was amazing. I, we did a lot of great things there, and uh, the, the company's grown tremendously. It's been been a fantastic part of, of my story. Uh, but then it came time uh, raising the family and such, and as, as a family decision, like, hey, let's move. We need to move back to be closer to our family and and our home back in California. So. So we chose to make that move, which was a tough move as a PT. Yeah. To go to California yeah. is not an optimal choice by <laughs> most PTs. You know, <laughs> can't do dry needling anymore. <laughs> kind of limited. Yeah, can't manipulate anybody. You know, can barely talk to them. You know, <laughs> if you ask them to take their shirt off, you'd probably be sued. So it's, it's like this is a debatable choice on, on many fronts. But, um, you know, I had I, I got back and Rock Tape helped me a ton as we did a lot of teaching and stuff. That year was a great transition. So I really got to map out and think about how, how would I create this because I wanted that as the model. Like, if how could I have an opportunity where it's not all on me as a clinician? Yeah. I, did, I didn't want it to be, 
I didn't want that. I didn't want a non-retirement plan for myself. I wanted a long future. So, and I knew I wanted to teach and develop other clinicians. If we could develop a better product, we could reach more people. We could make people have a better life and really improve the communities that we're in. And th those were all really, really important values of mine. So, so that's where I started visioning that. And it's like, how can we make this model work where we could generate enough revenue that we could pay clinicians a good salary, a mm -hmm. uh, solid salary, a competitive salary is maybe what they would get in the hospital, but still allow them to do what they love to do and not have to do the sellout thing. And so I'm super, I'm super pumped to say that we've done that. Um, it's taken a little bit of work over the last three years. We've only, only been doing it about three years now, so it is still new, but it's, it's evolving tremendously. And I think the clinician development map that we have uh, for them to have long-term financial success is at this point really clear. Like, if you come on with us on day one, I could tell you what you could do, and not necessarily an amount of time, but what you could do based on uh, based on your performance. Once you learn, you know some of the process, and so then for us, a big big piece of our piece was what we call the Master Clinician Development Program. That as you come into this uh, this process with with us, I mean, it's just critical that you become the very best clinician you could be. Because again, that's what I believe in. That's yeah. what I, that's what I set out that's to do in the beginning, yeah. and then. Let's give, give you, let's give you a space to operate in. And I think with those, uh, with those two things, and if you have the drive as a clinician, you can get it done. You just need a little bit of, you need the right space, and you need the right uh, financial support, and then things work out. So I, I, believe, in, uh, I believe in the profession that way. This is amazing. Like, so I'm, I'm imagining as like a new grad listening to this, or like someone that's even in just more traditional model that you're like, this is another reason I brought him on here, because <laughs> I to be like, this exists. I think the pendulum is always on these extremes and it's either like you just hear people shitting on the profession and I, I get people writing to me, Tony, that haven't even gotten into PT school yet yeah. and they're worried about being burned out. Yep. I was like, you didn't even get in yet. <laughs> you didn't get yeah. in. You don't have a job. You haven't gone to school. Nothing. And they're already, because they've heard stories of like, because so many clinicians are so burned out because yeah. this isn't this, you know, the traditional standard model and, and not all employer employers are like putting this this kind of model model first and, and foremost. What's your opinion, Tony, on, I don't even want to say opinion, what would it, advice would you give to new grads? I see people come out and they're ready to jump into starting their own thing. I think there's a lot to be said about working in an environment and being able to learn from other people. I know that some new grads are really worried about like, but if I go in an environment, it's going to be a mill and I'm going to cry every day, like whatever. You have an amazing model here. What advice would you give to the general new grad. Yeah, that's good. Always got good questions, Shante. <laughs> you know, so we could always say it depends. I I think that the no doubt about it, um, the most important thing for you to do is find a mentor. You know, so that's that's really the biggest thing I would say. First, in the first job and the first process, maybe you found that through an internship, and that's great. And that was a limited window of time. It's really a couple year process for you mm -hmm. to find your hands and, and, mm -hmm. and find your skills and you just need to see patients and frankly you need to struggle and fail a little bit. Yes. So you need to find an environment that allows you to do that and, yes. and you need a mentor. So whatever that is for you, no matter what, what part of the profession you want to go into, whether it be wound care or sports performance and sports medicine, uh, do that. You know, I, I do get a lot of in the sports field and being at, uh, having had experiences at high levels in sports, I get a lot of questions from people that want to do pro sports. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I really want to do pro sports. And I don't think most people know what that means. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but, but, but let's say that, that you really did want that. I th then, then my recommendation would be that whatever it takes, it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's ethically sound, then go do, do that. It. 
from yeah. the day one, when you're done, go either get your internship there, go volunteer, what, whatever mentorship or, uh, or, or volunteer position you have to take to get into the organization, yes. that's how you get into pro sports. Yes. Pro sports is not something where you go become a great clinician outside of the no. organization, and then all of a sudden they call you <laughs> they one day. They get no like, yet noticed. Yeah, they're like, like, oh, man, you're a great clinician. You should come work for us. I saw and your Instagram. You yeah. should come work for us. It does not work like that. <laughs> Um, that does not work like that. So it's very, uh, very in-house development. So if that's your that's your goal, and that's great, and I think that's a, that's its path, and that that path is well de- well described. I think for those that want to do orthopedics and sports in the field that we're in, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff thrown out there that, that I'm a little bit anti to, to be yeah. honest with you, because mm-hmm. I just see it, I see things fail. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fellowship guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm certainly not a residency guy. Um, I didn't do them myself. Um, I think a lot of that stuff was really driven towards heavy manual therapy. Yes, 100%. And I, and I think uh, for the last 20 years, we've, we've really driven manual therapy and, and that type of certification and uh, down the throat of PT specifically. Yeah. And I think that that's a bit in error. And obviously, the better we are with our hands, the better we can communicate. And there's many good for things sure. that come from it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, those, you have to have those skills. Yes. But that's certainly not the skill necessary to do a sports mental orthopedics. You yeah. know, you've got you to understand movement. You've got to be able to look at movement, at movement analysis. You've got to think about things from a neurological perspective. So you need a little more of a full, a full circle program. And I'm not going to say there's a lot out there. You know, and I'm, I'm not completely going to toot my own horn here. I and was say that I, was, <laughs> I will. And say that, yeah, I was going it. to. I was like, this is a perfect segue, Tony. I have a bunch of questions. Yeah. But this is actually a perfect segue to talking about what you guys have developed and the, the program that you guys put out there. That this, so you guys listening, I wanted to bring Tony on before because he launched it and he had it, it in person. And I was trying to get him on there, but just life happens. Uh, but he has an amazing course that he's put together with his team members. So talk about that. You filled a gap here, a big need. Yeah, absolutely. So we've, uh, I, we just feel there's a lack of exercise knowledge in the PT community. I don't know what your schooling <laughs> was like, you know, but, but Therax was a, it was a one yellow semester TheraBand. class. And yeah, <laughs> yellow TheraBand, three sets of 10 Always. is the standard, which is phenomenal. I don't know why every pro athlete doesn't just do that. It seems like the problem be solved. <laughs> so there, there's quite a bit of... Um, knowledge out there on strength conditioning standpoint that if you didn't have that going into PT school, you certainly certainly didn't get it there. So you've got to get it afterwards. And then then you run into this problem of, well, I'm treating 25 people a day. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to go get this education on strength conditioning? I don't even have a squat rack in my building, (laughs) right? So then you get back into the thing where now I don't have the space, I don't have the time, I don't have the situation. So so we've created that. And we feel that's just so important for clinicians, I know it's critically important for clinicians, if you're working with people that are active movers, yep. if they're going to go into fitness, or if they're going to go and play sports, you better know what that movement 100%. looks like, what that movement's re- what's required in that movement, and then be able to at least duplicate some intensity of it. Exactly. Ideally at the intensity necessary for the activity, but at least some intensity so that they can, you can approve yeah. it. Like I, you can watch them do <laughs> it. So you do it. Yeah. You know, it's an amazing, th- I, I think this story is so funny. I, I was talking to this one lady, uh, at an evaluation a few years ago, and she's like, oh, yeah, I run like five miles a, a day. And I, she didn't really look like a person that ran five <laughs> miles a day. So I was like, that's interesting. If I ran five miles a day, like, <laughs> it would be difficult. You know yes. what I mean? So I was like, we, we need a little bit of clarity here. So <laughs> tell me more about your running, you know? And so she went on about, you know, she runs, and I was, I was still convinced she was like a 5K, 10K athlete, you know? And I was like, okay, I said, tell you what, let's go run, because I don't believe it. So... I didn't say that part, but I'm like, <laughs> let's see you run. I want to see what you're talking about. And then she got real. She's like, oh, well, I don't really like run. It's like a shuffle. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. So you don't so run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, the point of that is that you never, you yeah, you you never Sometimes. know what's going on until you actually take the time to uh, to see them do it. That would be one of the most important things I'd recommend to any clinicians: watch your people do what they say they're going to do, and that's uh, do the thing. Yes, do the thing, whatever the thing is. If it's you know whatever, and if you can load it, if that's the problem, when it's loaded, then load it. If it's a sprint, you have to sprint. Have to sprint. They show me a video down. of it, right? Yeah, hands. Down. I, I, you guys listen, you know, I'm good friends with Jen Crane. She's a circus artist and, and circus physio. And her Instagram is Cirque Physio. And that's one of the things we talk about all the time, like the demands that these people have to go through. And they're doing like chest stands and things like that. If you can't have that person replicate this, how are you going to assess them? How are you going to treat them? You have to be able – it is imperative. So, Tony, getting back to the, to- the horn tooting – you have a three-day, three days, right? Uh, we do a two-day summit. Yeah, oh, so, we, okay. so we, we put together uh, this next uh, year. We've got a three-day thing coming up as far as three different events. So we do an, we're going to do an event in March. It's going to be more manual therapy-based because it is where everything starts. Uh, just, you know, screening your client. Maybe they're in pain. Maybe there's some tissue restrictions, some joint issues, things of that nature. Talk about key strategies uh, to get through that process in, in an effective way. Uh, so that's a, that's a one-day course in March, and then we're going to do one in May, which is much more of a speed-type course. So that's looking at basically the idea was a high-level movement, um, bringing some intensity to it. So mm-hmm. going through the mechanics of speed, what does it look like to, to run fast? Like what does yeah. it look like to sprint? What does it look like for acceleration? What does it look like for absolute speed? And what does it look like for maybe more of your endurance athlete speed, you know, some of your long-distance runners? So we've been fortunate enough to train quite a few Olympians in the 5 and 10K over my career as well as the sprint community. So... You know, breaking down those movement patterns and looking at what are you looking for, yep. and then, and then what do you do about it, right? Where pick the person up where they're at, and then and then bring them on forward. So those are kind of the two bookends. One is manual therapy, one speed, and then we do what we call our bulletproof summit, which is in there it is. yeah, which is in October. That's the two day course, and and that I'm super proud of. I I, I use this term we call it the continuum. It's not you know unique or anything. It's just a, a concept of Everyone you see in our profession, which is what I love about our profession, is that you can pick up a person anywhere along their continuum. So I'm becoming hobbling in in pain. Somebody might be coming in saying, I just want to run my 40 faster or I want to run the mile faster, whatever it is. So you have these huge spectrums. And our job is evaluate the person and find out what's the limiting factor. So that course is all about that. Let's, let's, let's look at what the limiting factors are and then let's help really take you from basic table stuff like i said we start with mm-hmm. manual therapy earlier in the in the year so that's in march look at manual therapy stuff there and then when we get to the summit courses what things can we add to your regimen like we're not going to go over how to do a bridge we're not going to mm-hmm. go over how to do um you know a repetitive external rotation with yeah. a band like that's stuff <laughs> that we all can handle right but like what do you do next right because exactly. there's this big gap from Huge. like hey yeah I, i've got the table stuff down i can walk great i can even do a sit to stand i could squat um you know, I could do a few step-ups. I use the leg press. I can, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, you know. What do I do next? And so we've really designed this course to fill that gap and give clinicians a, a, a true progression, upper extremity, trunk, and lower extremity. All three are addressed within the weekend. A true progression of how to return to activity, whether that be there sport or, you know, whatever, whatever the activity is. I don't specify that. It doesn't matter to me. It's whatever, whatever you're dealing with in front of you. Every day it's different. But the progressions are the same, Right. There's a few whys in the road that you have to that you have to get through, but at the end of the day, the progressions are the same. So that's really what that course is about. It's kind of an exercise progressive course, uh, start to finish, and 
and I'll just say one more thing that I think say is... Say it all, Tony. <laughs> which I think is well, the reason why it's in there is because it's totally missing from uh, from both our education as well as yes. what's commonly put out there is yes. this idea of of endurance. You know, if you look at what's the number one risk of injury is prior exactly. injury. Yeah, prior, prior injury is the first thing everybody says, right? Which is a statement to our profession, mm-hmm. by, mind you. But then the second thing is fatigue, right? So yeah. every physical therapy play client has both. Yeah. You have prior right. injury. Perfect storm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're fati- and they have fatigue because they haven't done shit in exactly. whatever, how long ever they've been hurt for, right? So there's something on the cardiovascular system. So we really look at that as a big thing. So to develop the cardiovascular support, uh, to, to drive the systems, look at the neurological system for cueing, and then, of course, uh, taking them through their exercise progression, all the while building this whole system up so they truly become, and well, we ter- use the term bulletproof, to, uh, to get them back to the activity they want to do. So. Who is this? Mainly for demographic-wise. Uh, so it really, really, it can use it across the spectrum, whether it be PT, Cairo, uh, or personal training, fitness. Uh, all fits in there. We have a we have a pretty good balance. We've had less last year. We had over 160 people take the course, Amazing, and you? half of them were in the personal training. Uh, route a little bit of performance personal training and half are in the clinical route so I think both and it it truly belongs right in between the two you know and so it's great for both professions I think every every client that's in personal training is hurt that's why they paid them (laughs) you know it's true (laughs) because they're scared they don't get hurt again so so they're so every personal trainer's got people that are in pain we can show you how to bring that down a little bit and how to work with them at a lower level and build them back to where you want them to be and then from a PT standpoint, a clinician standpoint, it's like you got people that are in pain and suffering and you want to get them to the next level. And you've got to sometimes show them that challenge and give them the opportunity to, to really get over the hump, you know, and not just feel better exactly. for that day, but truly put it behind them. It's, this is, I know I keep saying this, but this is a huge reason why I wanted to bring Tony on and why I brought Tony on, what he's bringing to the table. I like to consider Tony the king of progressions here. But not, I think people will say progression, but then they only mean like, let me progress you to like a little bit more difficult on the table. (laughs) Like from like, you can barely do anything to like, okay, well now you can like do some table stuff and we're good. But then it's like, okay, now go into life and be a regular functioning human. Never mind even like, you know, a performance level athlete. Yeah. Tony has created something that runs the gamut here and isn't going to focus on the really low-level stuff. That's actually what I do in my course. I want to give you the very foundation of things, the very basics of things. And then anyone that asks, like, well, I'm looking for, I'm a little bit more advanced. I'm looking for how do I get this person to do the next thing? What about these exercises that are, like, actually in upright and standing? Like, where did those go? (laughs) What should I be looking at? What about capacity testing, which is no one does. I really feel like you're probably one of the only people that do. I, I've seen some tests kind of come out there, but I don't see it as part of anyone's system where it's like, we're going to look at yeah. capacity. Yeah. And it's a critical step. I mean, I, I think it's probably the biggest, you know, one of the bigger missteps in our field certainly is can people really own positions? You know, it's one thing, yeah, truly you can do three sets own. of 10 on a certain exercise, you know, that's something, but yeah, truly owning it. And that's an advantage I have is having seen people at an elite level and seen them fail. Typically the reason they failed was maybe a capacity area. And typically people that are in the lower level that don't make it over the hump is typically a capacity yeah. area. So we've really looked at that and, and broken out tests that can be done in a, in a clinical environment of any, of any environment really, where you can see, you know, okay, yes, you can do external rotation now and you have, you know, you do your MMT and you're, four, you're five out of five. <laughs> okay, that's great. Like I could care less, right? <laughs> I'm glad that you got that. Now let's see if you can do something, you know, can you hold something for a minute? Yeah. Can you hold it in this position? Can you hold it in that position? And can you really own it, right? Is your, yeah. Your rotator cuff yeah. is not designed to do external rotation. It's designed <laughs> to hold the ball in the socket. So, like, you know. Ah, it's 
so, so good. Tony, <laughs> where can people get more information? Where can they look at this, look it up, sign up for it? How do they do that? Yeah, so our website's the easiest spot. Uh, it's kimeperformance.com, K-I-M-E, performance.com. And then we have an education page there that has some online content that we that we have available. And then, of course, those courses coming up are, are all posted there as well. So This is so good. I want to kind of keep in line with this. You guys listening, I'm always about the bigger picture, listening around the edges. And one of the things that Tony's done so well, and that a lot of the guests that I bring on, so they do so well, is, is filling gaps. Right? Looking and saying, like, there's a gap here. Let me create something. And then let, let me make sure that I have the infrastructure in place to make sure that I can continue to, to provide this thing. So if you're listening, you've heard that Tony not only set up a system where he works so that he can test people within these these parameters and be able to, you know, look at people going at full speed and look at people under load and all these positions that are required. He can also then teach his staff and the people that he's hired because he has this this model that he's put in place. What did you call that? The clinician Ma development. Yeah, master clinician development yeah. program. That's amazing. So we have some more some some sustainability built into that. And now he's like, hey, I'm seeing this in general as a problem. Let me create a summit and a three-part series for this. So if you guys are listening around the edges, take a step back. This is a, a fantastic business model in and of itself. You see these gaps, fill these gaps, and then put things in place, put the infrastructure in place so that it's sustainable and allows for, for more growth. Tony, what, is, what does a treatment model look like for you? I know you're treating different people, things like that, but like roughly. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's actually, it's actually quite clear. Um, so it depends on their stage, of course, but there's a, there's some really really common things. Um, I love your stuff. You know, you guys have heard Shantae speak. Is uh, uh, one of the big concepts is make them feel something. Um, so I, I think that that's a huge that's a huge component. It starts with communication and, and really assessment and just setting up a connection with your client is yeah. is critical, which goes back to the time and time place to get it in. So that's massive. And and then once you have that, then it really comes down to, I do think we have to touch people. I, I think yeah. mostly using some form of manual therapy on, on almost everybody mm -hmm. because I think that people have that expectation that yeah. I'm in a medical field and I'm going to a PT, doctor, a PT, all that good stuff. There's probably going to be some touching. Um, and I think that we can always benefit people with through some touch. So sometimes that's five minutes, sometimes that's 30 minutes. It really depends on what the limiting factor is, right? So it's, if anything, it's warming them up. If it's a more acute stage or more limited range of motion, it might be a little more of some soft tissue, some massage, some flush, uh, maybe some mobility work to improve some mobility of, of something that's restricted, things of that nature. But that's a big part of our process is, is a check-in, uh, certainly each session, check-in, reassess, communicate, then some sort of manual therapy technique of, of some kind. Um, it's indicated, you know, 99% of the time it is. And then where are we at in the exercise progression? You know, what are we doing? Where are we going? Uh, where have we been and where are we going, essentially, with the exercise? Are you working on it? Are you getting stronger? Is this getting more uh, better recruitment? Are we getting more control? And then, okay, great, good job. We got it. Uh, let's make a progression, take the next step. Uh, here, here's what you're going to do. This we're going to work on this week. This we're going to work on it over the next two weeks, whatever it is. And then let's come back and, and check in and we'll progress again. You know, or maybe, maybe you didn't progress. Uh, what happened? You know, maybe there's a lifestyle got in the way. Maybe uh, you did all the stuff we asked you to and it didn't work. Um, so then reassess, reevaluate, change the plan. Uh, and, and then, but also be ready for that lifestyle conversation. Yeah. Maybe the lifestyle got in the way and it's like, you know, hey, let's have that conversation about what's going on. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of ways for that conversation to go for <laughs> right now in, in this talk. But the, um, 
But I think it, it comes down to when we are in, with a space that we're in is a gym environment. We're on a rubber floor with a turf right next to us. There's people banging weights. There's stuff moving. It's an intimidating yeah. environment, yeah. right? So you, what's amazing about this from a, a business model is that, and as a personal passion model, is that most people say, I want to, there's certain people they want to treat. You know, and you yeah, always totally. want to do sports medicine. You want to treat active people. So what's great about a model like this is it kind of self uh, weeds out the clients that are attracted to yeah. you, right? Because they come, they walk in the floor, and we have had three people in three years literally walk in, and say, "This it's is not, not PT," me. and walk out of the building. Like, okay. Yeah, which it's is not like for, it's not for you. High fives, yeah. congrats! I'll give you the number of the person down the street that would be great to take care mm-hmm. of you. I've got no problem with that, right? So it's, um, but but at the same time, it tells you you know what you are good at and who you're targeting, and that's that's a ton of fun. So, but that's that's important. You're setting up your environment. Uh, I'd say communication up front, manual therapy followed by by exercise or movement of some kind is is the model. And where you spend your time in that in that session yeah. is depending on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. Yeah, and what, and what you what you can do, you know. Tony, can you speak a little bit about return to play? So I think, again, I called Tony the king of progression. I wish I could have come up with like some alliteration there. But uh, I was listening to your podcast episode with uh, John. Mm-hmm. So if you guys don't listen to the Rock Tape podcast, definitely check it out. Tony had a phenomenal episode there. Um, but there was a lot that you were considering, and this was like a, your specialty and a lot Go of what on. you did. Can you – Really just tell the people whatever you want about return to play and kind of <laughs> things that you think that are missed, I would say. I think that it's just, it's not – I think it's a huge gap in general, especially when we're looking at the insurance-based model. We are – you're limited. You get six to eight visits. You're stopping that person way before they're kind of able to come back. And oh, yeah. even if you are able to get them into a cash model, let's say, I don't think the clinicians in general are equipped with like here's kind of things I should be looking at. Here's how I should be progressing it. Here's how I should be testing it. Anything you could address with that? Yeah. Um, just come to the course and I'll show uh, you. I love that. That's Tony. <laughs> How about that answer? Tony. For, for, for a few, in a few minutes. No, I it's, love um, that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a complicated process, no, no doubt, but there are certain um, key features. Um, obviously, you know, have, have, they, have, they, you know have, they, have they passed the basic rehab things? And then, of course, you've got uh, there's some return to sport tests that are out there and uh, those those have some value. Uh, I, we use those. We use a combination of a few tests. We like to combine, uh, once they pass those tests, we like to combine them with some fatigue and see can they still pass in a fatigue state. Because mm-hmm. I think that's obviously, re- if we're talking about return to play or return to sport, there's a component of that. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the intensity, which really has to be appreciated by the clinician. And it's so easy yep. for all of us, myself included, having been on the field, around the world, high-level events, high school events, you know, whatever. Now my kids are six and nine. I go to their little events. The intensity of sport and competition is is not yeah. clinical. Yeah. You know, it's not in the clinic. So I think we have to appreciate that as clinicians, that when we're when we're working with so, uh, somebody and we're trying to get them back to, to whatever it is, you know, whether it be soccer, basketball, tennis, whatever it is, it's one thing to do drills in a clinical environment and in a safe zone, in a safe environment, uh, yep. you know, whatever. And then it's a, quite another thing to go out and compete so compete against another person for, if you will call it bragging rights <laughs> or a clout or for the gold yes. medal or for Tony, the ring. We were like, people were bleeding yesterday. We had a volleyball yeah. yes. game right. yes. <laughs> amongst the instructors. People were throwing themselves, myself included. <laughs> Bleeding, you, I love that. The intensity of sport 
It was not clinical. It's not. And you you, you got to go see it. So my biggest, back to the watching it, go go watch. You know, yeah. if you see football kids, go watch a football game. I don't care what level you're watching. Get on the sideline, yeah. you know, volunteer your time and go watch some kid get, cl- get, get <laughs> just get knocked. You know, it's just amazing. Like, like the speed yeah. of the game, the amount of impact. And then you start to realize, like, a lot of the movement patterns that they're that they're mm-hmm. that are taking on are are often uh, to avoid getting hit or yeah. defensive. You know, it's, it's yes. amazing. Like we had a guy who's a very prominent wide right receiver in the NFL. I worked with for for several years, and it was interesting working with him. He's not a very big guy, but he's got huge hands. Uh, makes a lot of one-handed catches. Pretty impressive young guy. And in his in his uh, when we were working with him, he's like, man, I haven't been hit cleanly like in years because he's so elusive. Yeah. You know, and so that was one of the things that a lot of his movement patterns and his and his uh, elusiveness and his agility really helped him to avoid yeah. avoid some of the contact, and some of the injuries. So, man, it's just a it's just a totally different game than what we see clinically. So, what I would say to all of this is, in a clinic, you're probably working with somebody at eighty percent of their capacity, yeah. and then once you go on the field, you're looking at just figure 120 percent. So, you can't duplicate that in, like a, in a clinical well. environment. There's like a, a wedding getting set up all of a sudden. So yeah. we're going to wrap it up soon. All of a sudden there's a, a, a wedding going a on, right? There's a yeah. band playing. But it's very nice though. It's I, company music. I loved that you said, first, go take the course. Because that's a big reason I wanted to come on here. I'm all about providing resources for you guys. I cannot teach it all. I don't own it all. I'm not interested in it all. But I do know people who like those other things. And Tony is one of those other, those people that likes other things and is very, very good at it. So... I'm really appreciative that was your first answer. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And we know there's a lot of good stuff out there. And I'm a big fan of so many of the movement courses and movement assessments and all that good stuff. Uh, we feel like this really fits a gap of exercise progression and giving people true knowledge they could use. So. That's so good. Before we go, before we wrap it up, because they're like singing now, is there anything that you want to leave the people with? It's got to put a lot out there. I appreciate that, Shante. Let's see. Um, well, first off, as a, if you're in this field and, and working with clients, absolutely follow your passion and let that, let, just let that guide you. You know, like uh, be committed to that. I've had some great talks this weekend uh, down here in Cancun with the, the other instructors and what they're doing. And the one thing that reigns true with these folks is just follow your passion. And, and that, uh, that will guide you to, to what you're looking for. But you don't have to sell out. There's options. Uh, this is sometimes dreamed as a as a tough field to work in and a tough career and it's it's it can be exhausting and you could find that you're getting uh, or your friends are you know getting frustrated in it. but it doesn't have to be that way you no. just got to see uh, see the vision and get clear about what is it that you want what is it that you really want to go for and then go get it you know and and it. and, and that's what it's all about anything's possible so put your mind to it and see if you want that commitment but and if you need any help with that obviously you got uh, got myself Shantae to go to to help but i think that's um that's what it comes down to. Because if you're not being authentic, then you're not uh, you're not really going to help as many people as you as you could. So, hundred percent, Tony. How can they reach you? Uh, so, what's the easiest way? Yeah, the easiest way is uh, emails. Emails phenomenal, good option. So it's Tony at gmail dot com is an easy one there, or, or tmicklettkindperformance dot com. Uh, but the website's great. We have yeah. interactive uh, opportunity on the web, on the website where you can lo- you can check out there, and then of course on uh, on the Instagram and on Twitter. It's uh, Shantae make fun of me. I'm still not very good about these <laughs> things. But our uh, our Twitter handle on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, we're at, uh, at KimeHPI. So at Kime Performance Institute. They so actually have great stuff up there. And you guys know we will link everything in the show notes. You definitely should check that out. 
that last statement he gave, now you guys 100% see why I brought him on. He's a man of few words, so I'm amazed that we were able to get it this last long. <laughs> but ending that with, do what sets your soul on fire, guys, right? Let that be your light. Tony, thank you. This was awesome. I'm glad I got to nail you down here. The people, uh, hopefully you guys got as much out of this as I did. Uh, Tony is just absolute wealth of knowledge and information. So maybe not email him, but check him out on social media. Check out the stuff they're putting out there. And definitely check out the website so that you can go and take that course. I know you, you guys are going to message me anyway and be like, what courses? I brought him on to tell you that, <laughs> right? Thank you again, Tony. This hey, was phenomenal. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You guys listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us and this nice music in the background. And for that, I am endlessly, endlessly, endlessly grateful. If you liked it, subscribe. If you loved it, also subscribe and maybe leave some stars. All right, officially signing out. Until next time, friends, Tony and Maestro. Maestro.